You're listening to Backstage at Lyric, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes at Lyric Opera of Chicago. Backstage at Lyric features in-depth interviews with singers, conductors, and creative talents at one of the world's great opera companies. For additional podcast interviews, subscribe to our RSS feed or visit us online at lyricopera.org. Bass baritone Kyle Kettleson is backstage at Lyric. I want them to take home an impression of the genius of Mozart and hopefully have a realization of the, the play, the Montmartre, and uh, that's all. Have fun. Thank you for downloading this episode of Backstage at Lyric. I'm Roger Pines of Lyric Opera of Chicago. American bass baritone Kyle Kettleson began the current season at Lyric Opera singing the devil Mephistopheles in Faust. Now he's back to play a character who could hardly be a greater contrast, the title role of The Marriage of Figaro. This role has been one of Mr. Kettleson's specialties in major opera houses internationally, including Covent Garden in London, where he's become a favorite artist. He'll be back at Lyric next season to sing another signature role, Escamillo in Carmen. In our conversation, you'll have the opportunity to hear firsthand from a singer whose Figaro has been recognized as one of today's most outstanding Mozart portrayals. Before we get to the interview, here's a brief synopsis of The Marriage of Figaro. Susanna is the Countess's maid. Figaro is the Count's valet. The two servants are to be married, but they reckon without the Count's designs on Susanna. Aided by the Countess, who's distressed by the Count's interest in other women, Figaro and Susanna decide to teach the Count a lesson. Along the way, Figaro learns that he's no orphan, but the son of Marcellina and Dr. Bartolo. Marcellina is actually Bartolo's housekeeper, who had previously been desperate for Figaro to marry her. Also figuring prominently in the opera is the Count's page, Cherubino, desperately in love with Susanna, the Countess, and every other woman in the Count's castle. And now, on to the interview with bass baritone Kyle Kettleson. I hope you enjoy it. You started your current season with us doing a very different role, which was... Mephistopheles. Mephistopheles. Yeah, that was a really extraordinary experience to watch you on stage in the role. Especially as far as the, the, the physicality of it. So maybe that's a good place to start in talking about Figaro. You moved in a very distinctively devilish way mm. as Mephistopheles. How is Figaro's physicality different? Uh, well, I still like to bring a nice smooth aspect to it and, and uh, um, make the movements, in some cases, very deliberate. In other, in other ways, for instance, when I'm taken by surprise in any one of numerous areas in, in this opera... It's not so much. But there are times when, for instance, in Save World Ballari, when I'm bragging about how I will I will foil the count. He's not going to, you know, I'm going to play the guitar and he's going to dance. Then I try and be nice and smooth and make no deliberate movements and just have it all kind of be one sweeping movement around stage. But he's how, sort of light on his feet, isn't he? Yeah, he is. I mean, I think it goes along with how people view Figaro kind of... Uh, How do uh, they? Well, um, I would imagine they feel like Figaro is the is the clever one, or at least in his mind he's the clever one, where it's actually Susanna. But, you know, he's, he's a scheming lad, and I like it to match how cunning he is, you know, 
or he believes he is. I mean, I hesitate to say he is cunning because it seems like any plan he makes just kind of falls through, and and uh, and one wonders if if the plans that he is actually concocting for this show would work if Susanna hadn't really trumped him and and really given the better idea. You do a lot of Figaro's, so I assume that you keep coming back to it because it does offer you a lot of enjoyment. So where in the opera do you actually have the most fun? The most enjoyable part for me, I, you know, I probably sound like a broken record to anyone who might be listening to me for more than the second time. I really enjoy sinking my teeth into something dramatically, whether it's a comic role or a dramatic role or a mix of both like Mephistopheles is in my mind. So for that reason, I enjoy parts of Figaro like um, the sextet where I really try and show genuine emotion. There's a little bit of slapstick. better explain to our listeners what's going oh, on. Oh, sorry, the, the sextet, sextet is where I'm, where it's discovered that Marcellina and, uh, and uh, Bartolo are my real parents who gave me up for adoption uh, so many years ago. And we're kind of reunited. And I try and play genuine emotion there, you know, mixed in with some slapstick. But I enjoy that very much and it's, um, it, it's great to interact with uh, uh, the others the other uh, singers in that scene. I think the, the fourth act is, that's the payoff for the role of Figaro, I, I believe. In, in my mind, maybe other singers would tell you differently, but it's kind of like a Leporello act in that it's a bit tiring. Robert, my uh, makeup artist, asked me, do you sweat a lot in this role? He was asking me, about, asking me about how much you know glue to put on my wig, and I said, well, I don't really sweat until the end. And it's the end, which, you know, it, it's the payoff, though. It's, it's very, um, it takes a lot out of you, vocally and physically, but it just, it, it, it pays off. So that's the money act for Figaro, in my opinion, fourth act. Is he somebody that you would want to have, like, as a buddy in your life? Sure, I think so. He's very youthful, energetic. I guess I wouldn't have to deal with his jealousies, I mean, they wouldn't be directed towards me. Maybe I could, you know, give him a shoulder to cry on. But I don't see why not. He is probably up for a good time. And uh, he has a sense of, of duty, honor, which I admire. He can be the designated driver. <laughs> you, I think, said to me uh, the first time we ever oh. talked about Figaro that... Um, don't hold me to it. <laughs> that Susanna really is the, the smart one. Yeah, well... I, I think Mozart and Da Ponte made a point of, well, I should say Beaumarchais made a point of, you know, saying, look, this is not only a peasant, servant, but a female. Oh, and look, she's outsmarting everyone else. And, you know, like I always call my wife the boss. You know, she's in charge. I just, you know, I'm just kind of along for the ride. We do what she says because she usually has the better idea of what's going on. And that's nothing new. It's not 21st century. I think that's timeless. But I'm a feminist at heart, so some men might disagree. Her plans are the ones that work in this show. And she's always, she's, she's there seem, seemingly a step ahead, and she's calming me down. And when, I'm, when my male uh, uh, ego and um, temper is getting in the way. So I stand by that statement. This is uh, the ensemble opera par excellence. So... What experiences can you think of in recent years that have actually taught you what being part of a Mozart ensemble 
is well maybe not in recent years maybe it like maybe in college when yeah. they first started doing Mozart well what comes to mind immediately for me is at one point in grad school I figured it out I had been in a chorus for 19 straight years including you know from third grade on into in through high school uh, in through two years of college then four more years of college then four more years of grad school so it's at one point 19 straight years and you really learn how to blend and not stick out and I'm more than happy to do that there are plenty of opportunities for solo work in a work like in an opera such as The Marriage of Figaro as the role of Figaro so to blend and to and to let another voice take the lead where it deserves to I am happy to do that. Are there particular qualities that you hope that the conductor and director of a Mozart production that you're working on will bring to the proceedings? Hmm. Especially in one of these pieces which is so ensemble-oriented. I, I think staying true to the score for the conductor, which is usually more black and white it's right there in front of you you know so it's it's more tangible as far as the director is concerned um some traditions and opera um conventions like any real world cliche it's said so much or done so much because it works or it is true it's a cliche it's a cliche but it's because it's true just because it's overused doesn't mean it's not how it should be. So I think um, some conventions, traditional aspects of Figaro should remain. Even in even in some of the, the, the times where I've done the, the show uh, in different periods, it can still be there. It's not a period convention. It's a, something that just works for the role or the, you know the piece. A director in any show really, just to have an open mind and to listen to what we have to offer as well but most do with this particular show forgetting about your role and what you get out of performing this music and playing this character what do you hope any Figaro audience will get out of the piece as a totality love is timeless now you can put that on the poster the human emotion is timeless especially like for a new opera opera goer who who and I get this a lot wow I didn't realize how much it was like uh, a musical, you know, something that actually relates to today, even in even in something uh, a show like this that addresses feudal society, which doesn't necessarily apply to today. However, human emotion, it's it's the same, you know, it, it's been the same throughout the centuries. I want them to, from the drama or from the music, either, to take home an impression of the genius of Mozart. And hopefully have a realization of the the play, the Montmartre, and uh, read the liner notes or the uh, the program notes. Um, and you know, of course, what any singer wants just to be entertained and and to say, oh, I don't I don't believe that was four hours or three and a half hours, you know, with two intermissions or one intermission, I guess, with this one. Uh, yeah, that's all. Have fun. 
Well, I really would like to wish you all the success you could have in this Figaro. Thank you, it, Roger. It really is. You're right. It's an extraordinary cast. And oh, we're, yeah. We're really looking forward to having you back on stage. And, of course, we're looking forward to welcoming you back next season for Escamillo. And Little bullfighting. Thank you so much. Thank you, Roger. You've been listening to Backstage at Lyric, the podcast that takes you behind the curtain at Lyric Opera of Chicago. For additional interactive content and to order tickets, visit us online at lyricopera.org. Music